So as I said, I also didn't write an intro because I got lazy. And then it was more so yesterday. I was like, oh, shit, I never did that. I felt really good about myself. I like had been doing some reading, and like I had watched the movies ahead of time, and I was and I felt like I was ready. And I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot <laughs> my one job. That's all good. <sighs> I think it's fun when we wing it, too. Yeah, well, for you, I'm the one who has to wing it. <laughs> well, you did, you did throw me under the bus one time. Deservedly so. I was smack-talking, and I got my comeuppance. Uh, it's not so hard. It's not so easy, is it? <laughs> uh, and then um, Bill and Ted did stuff. Did stuff, indeed. <laughs> I'm gonna cheat a little bit. I'm going to pull up uh, a synopsis, <laughs> and I'm just gonna read that. Two guys walk around with a dead body, and roll easy. the trailer. So let me kind of uh, hopefully try to make you laugh. <laughs> I'm I'm down for that. If you had to shake off this mortal coil in the style of a movie, how would you go? I have an answer. I, I am so prepared for this question. Have you been watching The Last of Us? Yes. <laughs> Episode three, baby, all the way. <laughs> Holy fucking shit. That was the most beautiful thing I have ever seen in TV, cinema, or on stage it, in my it, entire it was, life. It was phenomenal. Um, and at one point, just because I diffuse everything with humor, <laughs> yeah. um, Amanda's like, like, you know, just crying. And for some reason, like, I cry over everything. And, like, it had almost happened multiple times. And I just never quite got... And, and it's not to diminish the show. Like, it was sure, just where, phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, just for some reason, it just I just never... That floodgate never opened. And it... Well, <laughs> I feel really bad for this because it's such a beautiful moment, too. Uh, there was a moment where, like, when Frank was planning... And if you guys haven't seen The Last of Us episode 3... Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. spoilers. Okay, normally, we don't spoil new stuff. But we can't like, not talk about this. Yes. Um, so there's a scene where, you know, Frank's like, okay, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna, get, you're gonna put this poison in my wine, and then you're gonna take me up to bed, and we're gonna, we're gonna lay there together and everything. And, you know, uh, Ron Swanson's crying and shit, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, there's a, um, a moment I leaned over to Amanda and said, like, that's a terrible idea. She goes, why? It's like, he's going to shit all over it. <laughs> I'm trying to think, because there was, in that same moment, I, I had a similar reaction uh, during that final dinner and wine scene where I... I don't remember what my diffusing punchline was though but yeah i i had that okay. same kind of moment <laughs> and that's just how i diffuse situations is i i try to make myself or someone around me laugh yep <laughs> like after my dad passed away me and my mom went out to breakfast or something because we we're both tired and hungry didn't want to cook sure and at one point my mom obviously just kind of broke down into tears and I had cried so much the day before, I couldn't, like, <laughs> access anything. And I just wanted to try to, like, get her out of that funk by laughing. Uh, and I was like, Mom, you gotta stop. It's like, if you don't stop crying, everyone's gonna think I just broke up with you. <laughs> and she started laughing. Okay, that is a movie moment. Like, that, that is script material right there. That is really good. <laughs> Well, I did steal the line from something, but it was used very differently. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but no, if I was thinking about this today. If I had to go out, and it all it all actually happened because of uh, my friend Josephine, who will be on a future episode. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll explain how we got to it after I explain my moment. I'd want to go out like the Kurgan and have to battle to the death, and like someone has to get their head chopped off. <laughs> You want to go out singing New York, New York? <laughs> yes. The worst rendition of it, too. Start spreading the news. I just want to have, like, an epic fucking sword fight, <laughs> and that's how I go out. But it doesn't count unless I get beheaded. <laughs> well, with what I am assuming is the amount of sword training you've had, you probably will get beheaded. <laughs> yeah, instantly. And then safe bet. <laughs> no, that came to be because there's a new movie that just came out on Shudder. It's a horror movie that's been getting a lot of praise called Skinnamarink. Okay. And um, it's kind of like a uh, like an art house horror film. Um, very just meandering, long shots of nothing. 
it feels like something I would have seen in 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 film school. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't into it. And like I I love experimental film. I love horror. This movie should did not need to be an uh, an hour and forty minutes. <laughs> Could have been fifteen twenty. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, it's 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 I, and I have to say I give the filmmaker a lot of fucking credit because this is a movie that was made for fifteen grand and it's playing in theaters and made like two million dollars wow. in its first weekend. Good for fucking. That's awesome. Yeah. However, <laughs> so this movie, like I said, it's and it's not even just a, like shots of like people walking through the house. Like you never see anyone's face. So a lot of times it's like children's feet walking, or you'll do like an extended close up of a TV or a Lego set. There's a lot of staring at the ceiling. It's just very avant garde okay. shots. And then I'm sitting there watching. It's like, where the fuck did fifteen grand go? I was actually getting pissed off <laughs> because the more I looked at it, because the movie doesn't, look, it, it movie looks like shit intentionally. Yeah, yeah. He, he he made it look like it was shot on Super sixteen, you know. So it was like really, and he shot like he shot it with practically no lights. It's a very high ISO, so it's just really grainy. And then he added more digital grain. <laughs> um, from what I read, more he shot grain. it. <laughs> he shot it in a week. With a crew of three people at his mom's house. Wow. With no real actors. He just, I think he just borrowed some friends' kids. Where the fuck did 15, oh, and on top of that, his, he has a credit like Foley, uh, you know, Foley Sound or whatever. It said freesound.com. So he got his Foley Sound from Freesound. He, uh, he, he says that he got all the cartoons from the archive.org. Yeah. So it's like, where the fuck did 15 grand go, man? Like the, it legitimately pisses the me off a little of bit. The sixteen millimeter camera and the film stock, and that's it. Processing. Well, I, I, he, sh- I think he shot it digitally and made it look like. Film. Oh, it's all po- okay. I misunderstood. I don't know hundred percent, but like, because yeah, if he shot it on film, it's like okay, that's that's where fifteen grand yeah. goes. But I think it was shot digitally. <laughs> so it's like they're just having fucking flame and young every day. <laughs> they're like, like don't get wrong, I'm sure. I'm sure. Thousand dollars. Let's do this. <laughs> Well, that's the only thing I could think of is maybe he just, you know, he paid everyone. That could be. That yeah. could be. Um, that's a pretty good week rate for uh, that level yeah. of production. That being said, like, I gave it a star at 100 bucks. <laughs> I did not like it. Um, I think my exact review was, because like, like, if I wanted to stare at the ceiling with the TV on, I'd go to bed. <laughs> well, and it goes back to that uh, quote that you've referenced before, like... Um, it's and I'm gonna really poorly paraphrase it, but it's it's okay to make something that people hate as long as they feel something. As long as you yes, I'd rather feel that. something than nothing. Yeah. yeah, no, exactly. And like I said, I give him a lot of credit and everything. But it came to be because my friend Josephine really loved it. Okay. She's like, I logged on the letterbox and this is what I saw, and she just sent me like my one a screenshot of my one star review. And I just said, you know, I tried. I just it, on paper it should be everything that I like, and it just didn't work for me. Yeah. She's like, she's like, I completely understand that, but we are now mortal enemies. I hope you understand. <laughs> oh, so, so uh, this is your and Josephine's last picture show. Yes. And I, I said, well, only if we can go out fighting like the Kurgan. <laughs> and that's how. And that's what I started thinking about. I was like, man, that would be a pretty fucking badass way to go out. <laughs> I think I've just been wanting to rewatch Highlander because I just I just bought it. Nice. I, I've never owned it before, and like it's funny when we did our Highlander episode, it's like okay, I like this movie fine, and then we did it again for Mark's show, okay. and I liked it more that time, and now I'm like, you know what? I think I really like the fucking Highlander. <laughs> we made a Highlander fan out of you. You did. You did. <laughs> So yeah, that's how I'd want to go. I'd want to go out like the Kurgan, and <laughs> there can be only one. And I want to go out like Ron Swanson in the Mushroom Zombie Apocalypse. <laughs> Every time I watch that show, I'm I'm just like, oh, this intro is is just Mushroom Game of Thrones. That's now I have not seen Game of Thrones, so I uh, didn't have that basis to compare it to. But Raina said the exact same thing. <laughs> Yeah, if you like, just go. If you Google like the intro to Game of Thrones, it's just, it's just like cities building up out of nowhere. It's just like the same thing, just made of mushrooms. Nice. <laughs> it's the Super Mario Brothers Game of Thrones intro. <laughs> Did you see that SNL sketch? <laughs> yes. It was like I would fucking watch that show. <laughs> well, it's funny. There's been so many people online who are like, "Oh, we need this version now." It's like, where were you guys in the '90s, eh? <laughs> Now you want revisionist Mario? <laughs> Fuck off. I want gritty revisionist Mario, not those turds. <laughs> hey. <laughs> that, Shut up. That, that felt personal. 
You're a turd. <laughs> oh, so besides that, how have you been? I'm back in therapy. <laughs> is it is it is it helpful? Uh, actually, my first session was today. How was it? If so you don't mind me was, asking, I don't mind at all. It was good. Um, I think I liked my new therapist, and so the way I've been thinking about it is. The last few times I've been in therapy have been more to address something acute that's happening in the moment when, like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm spiking high above my baseline, right? Mm-hmm. Well, between the work that I did then and some of just the, the self-work I've been doing, I've kind of gotten to a place where I'm like, but what if my baseline could be better? You know, like not addressing something that's happening to me right now but realizing that like the way that i function and the way that i think like maybe some of that isn't as healthy as it could be so that's what i'm starting now well that's awesome yeah as someone who works in the field i'm happy whenever people can get help yeah 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 (laughs) makes me feel good so i'm excited about that and i like talking about it and using our platform to uh just say that it's happening yeah it's you know this is cinema therapy yes it's it's because i always tell people and they say what's your show about and I, you know the ba- easy answer is movies yeah right because that is like 85 percent of what this show is but then the other 10 to 15 percent is about friendship and and therapy and mental health mm-hmm. and finding things that make you feel good. Destigmatizing, like that's yeah. that's in the concept of the of the podcast. Our our kind of uh, not mission statement, but our you know the the whole idea of not feeling shame for a thing you did or did not do. Like that's we yeah. do it through the lens of film, but it's a good. There message. is no shame on this show. Wear yeah. your freak flag proud. Indeed. That's I what I say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, as I told you before, I didn't write an intro, so I'm going to take a sip of Gatorade for the working I've got man. i coffee. And I'm just going to sh- ride the struggle bus through this. Oh, well, I am. All right. podcast actually discusses movies be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements endings surprise twists unexpected cameos and all manner of spoilers if this doesn't appeal to you why listen to a movie podcast without further ado please enjoy our feature presentation the shameless picture show hello and welcome to season seven of the Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Byers, and with me, as always, is... I was going to make a joke about dead weight, but that was actually really mean towards you, and you're not dead weight at all. But my... I guess, I'm just going to run with it. My Bernie, my dead weight companion... I don't... This, this is terrible. Introduce yourself. <laughs> Nick Richards. Nick, are you wearing fishnets? Of course I am. Okay. No, they're... Oh. Pajama I just kept bottoms. seeing your knee, and I was like, are you wearing fishnets? Because that's kind of fun. <laughs> I do have the legs to pull them off. Well, of course you do. Um, so, hello, listeners. If this is your first time listening to our show, you just got an earful about mental health and a bunch of stuff you aren't familiar with. Um, and you got our, our one of our worst intros to date, because normally I spend time to write a formally well-written intro where I describe the plot of the film, and I talk about its historical context and why it's important. I watch a lot of Turner Classic movies, and it shows in the way that I write, and I didn't do that for the first two episodes. <laughs> so, you're just going to get to listen to us ramble. So... This is season seven. Me and Nick tried something a little different this year. We decided to come into this show prepared. <laughs> well, that kind of contradicts what you just said about the Well, we, we came in prepared in that we planned our entire season ahead of time. We've done six seasons of this show with no planning other than, we're like, well, do you what do, do you want to watch next? Okay. I don't know. What do you want to watch next? Are you free no this planning. Week? <laughs> yeah. We have planned out our entire sh- our entire recording schedule with what we're discussing, so we know ahead of time. 
And we are doing a double header this week where we're going to be recording two episodes. So if we reference something that, you know, in our next episode or what have you, that's the reason why, because we are probably be talking about The Last of Us a lot in these two episodes. Yes. So if you haven't caught up to, to The Last of Us, I recommend you do so because it might get spoiled. <laughs> you probably already had a spoiler and if you listen to our preamble. This show is chaos. <laughs> that's just what this is. Um, but this year, it's organized chaos. Yes. Yes, that's I like that. Organized chaos chaos it's like there's a podcast i listen to called screen drafts where they just they're they're, they uh it's it's competitive collaboration is what they describe it (laughs) as because they have to do uh film centric best of lists but you don't know what everyone else is choosing and they make it into a game so it's collaborative collaborative competitive collaboration love it we are organized chaos it works (laughs) All right, so this week, for the first episode back of Season 7, we thought we would go with some truly high heart cinema. Yeah, real classics, um, something highly valued. Yeah, we've done some big films. We've done Rocky. We've done The Godfather. We've done Apocalypse Now. So we thought it was, this was the perfect episode to scratch something off both of our shamelists. We are going to discuss Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> it just felt like the right episode to come back. <laughs> Starting it off with a bang. <laughs> All right. So as I said, normally I try to write a little intro. I did not do so. So instead, I'm going to cheat and I'm going to read the description of Weekend at Bernie's from our good friends over at Fandango. <laughs> Hi to all my friends at Fandango. <laughs> Anyways, um, so Weekend at Bernie, the description of Fandango wrote, Fun-loving salesman Richard, played by Jonathan Silver, and Larry, played by Andrew McCarthy, are invited by their boss, Bernie, played by Terry Kaiser, to stay the weekend at his posh beach house. Beach house. I have a speech impediment. Leave me alone. <laughs> Little do they know that Bernie is the perpetrator of fraud they, they've uncovered and is arranging to have them killed. When the plan backfires and Bernie is killed instead, the buddies decide not to let the little death spoil their vacation. They pretend Bernie is still alive, leading to hijinks and corp desecration galore. (laughs) (laughs) Bravo, Fandang. That was actually a really nice little (laughs) write-up. Weekend at Bernie's was uh, directed by Ted Kochiff. Which uh, some of you guys might know for being the director of fucking First Blood. Yep. Uh, it was written by Robert Kane, based on a book called The Two Deaths of Kinkas Wartayel by Jorge Armando. <laughs> uh, I find that really hard to believe, but who, who might have discred- discredit uh, Jorge Armando's I, book? I saw somebody else describe it as loosely based on, so I... Ah, I have a feeling, having no idea anything about these source material, that uh, it was more like, oh, they were walking around with a dead body, <laughs> but the tone was very different. Could be. Uh, this movie features cinematography by Francois Protat and music by Andy Summers. This is Weekend at Bernie's. Don't you see? Don't you see? We just uncovered a $2 million error. We're going to be heroes. We're going up the corporate ladder. It appears as if somebody's trying to defraud the company. Somebody tried to smoke it past the wrong guy. Very, very good work. How would you two like to come to my house at the beach? Love to! For Larry and Richard. How are you? This is a place to die for. You have to kill them, Vito. A little rusty, but it'll come back to me. What? Should we just walk in? But what they don't realize... No, we'll stand out here on weekend. Come on, we're out here. ...is while they're checking in... Forget the accident with the two guys. Take care of Lomax. Bernie Lomax will be checking out. Oh, my God! What kind of a host invites you to his house for the weekend and dies on you? I don't know. Lomax told whoever he's talking to not to kill us if he's around, right? Yeah, yeah, but Lomax is dead. He's not around anybody yeah. anymore. <laughs> I know that. You know that. Nobody else knows that. Huh? Oh! Where's Bernie? It looks good enough. Let's go. Uh-oh. Larry, what? Huh? Oh. 
<laughs> really? Hi, Bernie. Hey, Bernie, just like last week, huh? Oh, Bernie, you animal, you insatiable. Doesn't anyone realize he's dead? Lowe's the boat! I'm telling you, Lomax is alive. Maybe Paulie is rustier than we thought. Ooh, Bernie, you're starting to peel. Gonna get you out of the sun, huh? Is that the killer? How do I know, Richard? Should I stop and ask you? No, just drive. Weekend at Bernie's. Are we doing it again today? Oh, absolutely. You know we are. Great. We'll see you later, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, ladies. We'll see you later. <laughs> God, is this great or what? Dude, you know what's surprising to me about Weekend at Bernie's? That they made a Weekend at Bernie's too. <laughs> I did, like... I have to, and pardon the pun, morbid, morbidly curious about how, like, how far after the original does this take place? It apparently takes place in the Virgin Islands. So it's like, it's just another vacation movie. And I'm going to quote Kevin Smith in this when he, Kevin Smith tells a story on, on I think, the first um, um, evening with Kevin Smith, where he's telling a story about how he was asked to help write at one point the sequel to beetlejuice it was gonna be um, oh my god it was um gonna be um um it was gonna be i don't remember what the title of it was um oh beetlejuice uh goes hawaiian or something like that <laughs> oh, and it was gonna be god. beetlejuice in hawaii like ernest and, goes to camp <laughs> yeah and, it was, and kevin smith says I feel like we said everything that needs to be said in the first Beetlejuice. Must we go tropical? And that's what I think about with this movie. It's like everything that needed to be said at Weekend at Bernie's was said. Must we go tropical? I love uh, it. Did you? I'm, I'm sure there's a good chance that you did. Did you catch the Rambo reference? Uh, which one? In the film where um, I think it's there's like some. Oh, it's I think it's when the kid sneaks in with the cap gun. Or maybe oh not. yes but he's hiding and he goes okay you can get up now rambo yes i did catch that and i was like ah yep ah. i appreciated that i like to imagine the screenwriter wrote that and ted kochev was like <laughs> motherfucker no <laughs> don't want to do that and they did it anyway yeah. or, may or maybe it was his joke and he was like this is gonna be so funny <laughs> you know what you should say right now <laughs> oh shit it'd be so funny <laughs> I appreciate how that kid just likes to bury people. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, okay. Are we going to so, get into this now? Yeah. This let's get movie. into this. Nick, Nick, let's start with you because oh. I guess I'm kind of hosting the show. <laughs> what did you think of Freaking Dip Bernie's? This was on both of our shame yeah. lists. I had seen bits and pieces of this movie, I think, growing up, but I, th I don't know if I had seen bits and pieces of this one. Or the sequel. So it, it counts as being on my shame list. I will say that for those of you who are fans of physical comedy, like this film, like it, it kind of has the feel of like the more like loony I Love Lucy episodes or, yes, really or that like... Or the honeymoon, or like it's this constant stream of physical comedy. That it, for for what it is, it's good. It, it's like airplane without the the um, racism. Well, there's that. Well, no. <laughs> um, no, I think that there was plenty of racism. Ah. <laughs> we tend to Bernie's too. Um, uh, weekend at Bernie's, comma, also, not Weekend at Bernie's 2, Bernie Goes Tropical. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I have not seen and cannot speak to. No, but I kind of want to now. <laughs> like, I, you have to know how they even I need attempted. to know, like, yeah, like, do they just, do they unfreeze him or something? <laughs> right? like, 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 how do they stop him from just becoming a zombie? Um, he's dead. 
That's the idea, isn't it? Cheers. Also, let's keep in mind that this is apparently like one of the hottest weekends of the year, and that yeah. body did not like going to rigor mortis or well i, I wish there was going to be one joke of something like "Ooh, bernie you smell different right just something something they just totally ignored it which I, you'd have to kind of admire how flagrant they were with their like just science has no place here like, yeah don't worry about it this is not that kind of movie <laughs> no yeah um so ultimately what did you think of it though it it was by definition a film. <laughs> I can't did, argue that. I did giggle. Like I let some of the physical comedy Dude. bits were funny. People get hit. It's funny. It it. But that's about all that I had. Like it was so implausible and so ridiculous. None of the romance stuff worked, and I, I don't just mean like they had no chemistry, which they clearly did not. Oh, but I have stuff to say about that romance, too. Also, some of the, like, like when he brought her back to his parents' house and saw his dad in his underwear and she stormed. Like, why did she storm? You didn't, like, they didn't even have a conversation about it. It's just like, how dare you? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay. And then she's like, oh, it's forgiven. It was actually kind of funny. Like, it was just, there was so little... Like, and not so little. There was a complete lack of authenticity across the board for this film. Yeah, like, the, the actors, I feel like, are really trying. And major props to Terry Kaiser, like, making a, a nearly speechless role where he just has to act dead. And still manage to be funny. Like, that's, that's pretty impressive. I think the only other person I can think of who could do that would be, like, Steve Martin. I feel like you could put Steve Martin yeah. and have, cast him as Bernie and it would fucking work. Yeah, yep. Um, especially Steve Martin in his prime. I, I would watch that. So not like dad Steve Martin, but like Steve Martin years like you know, like in his prime. I th- I would argue that only murders in the building is his prime. He's, you know what? That boy. Fair. I can't argue that. <laughs> we just finished that show too. <laughs> He's that Brazos can fucking get it. <laughs> yeah, and to say Brazos isn't sexy. Brazos is sexy. <laughs> Um, I had very similar feelings, though, about Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> at one point, I was thinking, I was like, man, 130 years of cinema history, and we get to live during the same time as Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> I don't know if we're lucky or not. I don't know. Well, uh, I, my my review of it on Letterboxd was, though, I much prefer the A24 remake Swiss Army Man. Yep, I saw that. That was good. <laughs> it is, like, it, it set... A, if you can say nothing else about Weekend of Bernie's, like it is a reference point that is universal in our generation yeah. in this like, society. Like Am- Amanda had never seen Weekend at Bernie's. She nor, barely nor knew I. what it was. Barely knows what it was about, but knew that like the term like Weekend at Bernie's. And, or, and like, the, we have to Weekend at Bernie's this or exactly, something like that. Right. It, and it's it's impressive because it's not really a film that I feel like is, you know, talked about a lot. It's not in the cultural oeuvre the way that something like right. The Breakfast Club is. But people know what that means. It's it's like the concept was so iconic that it transcended the film itself. Mm-hmm. That being said, I was talking to my, my buddy Mac, who's also been on this show, who's an actor, and he works... Uh, He's on the 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 board for a uh, for the Waukesha Civic Theater. They do like stage shows there. I said, I really think a weekend at Bernie's stage show could fucking kill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it is with as good as the or again how iconic the concept is, and how bad the execution was. Like there is some prime reboot material like you could do something really interesting with it yeah like i i am honestly surprised that this movie has not been remade because i could see this movie getting like if like i could have seen this movie being remade like 10 years ago with like 
when Seth Rogen was like truly like at his height of stoner movies, like <laughs> I'm surprised this hadn't been remade at that time. Yeah. Because like this this I don't know. I feel like you get a young cast there. You get like a uh, fucking Zac Efron and someone else in there <laughs> and get someone like you either get an aging actor who hasn't been doing as much lately. Steve like Martin. Steve Martin <laughs> or get someone who's really out of type like a Jason Momoa and make him Bernie. Oh my God. Actually, that would be that could be really funny. You get like the two, get two of the Stranger Things kids <laughs> having to drag Jason Momoa around. <laughs> that could be good. <laughs> I'd watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I would. They could remake Weekend at Birdies right now and be like, "Fuck, I hated that movie." Or hates a strong word. I didn't like that movie, but I'd watch it. Yep. <laughs> um, I will but... say that this movie did live up to the promise of the premise. Yes, it was all you got was a movie about two people moving a dead body around and trying to convince everybody very like they didn't even have to try everybody bought it so quickly and they didn't question it which is also kind of sad because it's the shows like they're all using bernie so much that they don't even know bernie well they're to the point where they don't even realize that he's not acting right all these people are coming to his party it actually has a lot to say about the way that these people view Bernie. This is, like, if there is any depth to this film, and I'm not arguing that there is, but the, <laughs> <laughs> but the debate I was having in my head is, is there, like, a more cerebral critique on, like, 80s and 90s cap- capitalism and and this kind of, like... New York, um, big business lifestyle, the yuppie, you know, movement. I think though it just used it and maybe accidentally stumbled upon some coherent threads. I don't think it was intentionally baked in there. Well, yeah, especially because I could be wrong. And at that time, at least in the way that cinema presents that time period. I wasn't I wasn't around in that time, so I don't know what it was really like. But like yuppie culture is is depicted as being the American dream in a lot of these and movies. In in so- like that that was John Hughes's bread and butter. He right. thought that was the best thing you could fucking do is become a, a well paid yuppie. It wasn't until like looking back on it, it something like American Psycho, where they're skewering that culture, or yeah. even more recently Wolf of Wall Street, they're skewering that lifestyle. Where at the time, like I re- truly believed that these characters wanted Bernie's life, and they were not reviewing Bernie as a fucking cautionary tale, like they should have been. Right, right. They wanted it, and the fact that there weren't any consequences around that is what tells me that there wasn't a deeper meaning to this and that it wasn't some like no. heady critique that it was just like, Hey, what if some wall street bros were like, had to carry their boss around? That would be funny. Ha 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 ha. I'm honestly surprised there is enough restraint to not. Cause like, let's be real. Another running gag in the eighties was, uh, let's make fun of the fat guy. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly surprised they had enough restraint to not make Bernie a fat guy. Yeah. <laughs> Just because, home look at how, well, how funny would that be? I, I guarantee it was on their whiteboard. <laughs> I can, I'm willing to put money on it. Yeah. That would have been hard if, for them to carry him around, though. So it was That's the joke! Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. No, not my favorite movie. It wasn't no, without that, its... 80s yeah, it wasn't without those charms. Like, like I, it, uh, this Andrew McCarthy is simultaneously. Like, I love whenever he pops up in things, even though he often seems to annoy the shit out of me. <laughs> um, but in just a charming enough way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like he's just annoying enough that I like him. What kind of a host invites you to his house for the weekend and dies on you? I. Why would he do this, huh? I mean, he had everything. A house cars women this is tragic i don't understand why he couldn't wait until monday to kill himself and like i just i feel like anytime because like there, there's that trope in the in comedies of you know the snarky best friend and like 
his voice is what I pictured right, when yeah, I think is of them. The iconic. You know, it's him or like Randall from Clerks, like the other <laughs> snarky best friend. Um, but like he he had some of my favorite moments in this like but like the chemistry that him and jonathan silverman had i thought was great like i love that scene really early on when they're walking through the park and like that guy tries to mug them and they both just like yeah, it's, it's too, too hot, hot for this <laughs> and they just keep walking and the guy's like yeah yeah <laughs> and like i was i was bracing i was like starting to build my my thoughts in that moment and i'm like there is this tone that they're setting about like how nobody's really taking anybody else seriously and and you know they're the these adversarial relationships and how is that going to be reflected but none of it ever paid off so it no. it i floundered on it and like i said you know the movie's not without its charms like it's um i really like terry kaiser as as bernie but probably part of that is also cuz i I know him from he's he's in one of the Friday the Thirteenth sequels, so I have just nice. kind of a connection to him from that <laughs> yep. alone. Um, but like, there's just there's no real payoffs. So like, you know, I thought it was a you know a, a great little twist, even though it's kind of obvious, but it works. Where like, oh, Bernie's the one embezzling the money, right. but you almost start questioning it because of how nice he's being to them. Um, that doesn't really have a payoff. They, you know, Bernie's dead, sure, but like, is that really a payoff? Right. No. Um, it, it was. It was. The, it was a set. It was a setup. It was that a setup without a payoff. Yeah. Um. You had the 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 mafioso guys who put a hit out on Bernie, which is that also didn't really have a payoff. Though I felt really bad for that hitman. He just convinced <laughs> that he just He's lost having, his mojo. Having the worst weekend. <laughs> Yeah, like he was—he became my favorite character just because he was so committed to this job. Right. Yeah. And it was—it was, should have been—and it was an easy job. He accomplished it very so many effectively. Times. Yes. Uh, but that didn't really, you know, like the whole thing with like the mafioso's like girlfriend and Bernie didn't really right. have a payoff, and I really fucking hated the relationship in this movie. One, it wasn't needed, and two, um. Just, I just really wanted him to stop lying to her. Like, and, th- this all could have been settled if they yeah. would have just spoken with well, each other. Well, it, it's just like the problem with the, the mafia plot line. It was a set. It was a reason to keep the more conservative friend on board. Because that would, mm-hmm. he would be like, we shouldn't be doing this. We should call the cop. Oh, my girlfriend's here. So then we have to pretend that he's... Like, it just... There was no logic to it at all. No emotional logic. Like, they were like, yeah, because of this, he did this. And I'm like, yeah, okay, but why do they feel that? Like, there was no reason for him to be lying. There was no reason for him to be, like, using the dead body as a way to keep it going. It just, it, the structure of the plot was off. And honestly, like, I'm... I'm not one to sit down and really hyperanalyze a movie in terms, even that's what we do. Like, <laughs> I, I don't sit down and hyperanalyze a movie in terms of what's it, what's its theme? What is this movie trying to say? Because I'm also a firm believer that not every movie necessarily needs that. Or I'm a, I'm a believer that I feel like with, I feel like every writer or most writers, even if they don't think they're thinking about theme, they have something that they're working through and they just might not realize sure. it. Yeah. Um, I cannot figure out what the fucking point of this movie is other than, you know, getting some, some yucks here and there, but like, what is this movie trying to say? Well, and I, I've been contrasting this film to airplane in my head where airplane arguably has that same plot issue where like it's not saying anything all it is is a bunch of setups but in airplane every setup has a payoff yeah and while i don't didn't love airplane i think it's a significantly better made movie than weekend at bernie's i, I think like it's a stronger writing in yeah movie too. airplane even though it's like it's airplane is doing what it is trying to do well even if it's not what 
any given audience member wants to see. Weekend at Bernie's has a similar light. That I, I'm okay with a film just trying to be an hour and a half of jokes, and in this case, more physical comedy versus satire in Airplane. But it is not doing the, like, there's still the structure of it is just not there to support the fact that it's an hour and a half of physical comedy. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, because, like, I'm a, I'm, I'm a believer in that physical comedy works best when there's a reason for it. Sure, yeah. Um, and I just feel, I just feel like they had a great idea in that, okay, what if these two guys have a dead body that they can't let anyone know is a dead body and they have to pretend it's still alive. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly. Like I think that what this film, the, the reason why it had any traction at all. And the reason why people know about it today is because the concept is Mm -hmm. so good. But what I think they struggled with is everything else i'm I'm just i'm i'm this is just inference i don't know anything about what went in like i don't know what robert Klein did to fucking write this film but to me it feels like they then reverse engineered a plot to base around it yeah um in a way that feels very inorganic instead of being and like i feel like it's hard for me to put into words like exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah, this. But, uh, but it just really feels like instead of coming up with an idea that really works for why they could have this dead body here, they um they, they just started throwing darts at the board yeah. for for a different idea. And like I just there's so many things that they're trying to incorporate, um, and nothing really feels well thought out because of that. Like. Like you said, the the relationship thing. Like, you know, it, when you describe it as being like, you know, that's the reason that the more conservative of the two characters decides to go along with this, that makes sense. Then they should have reverse engineered and made this relationship work. Right. It, or like, you know, the, they have to have the mobster guys because there needs to be a reason why Bernie dies. Though I think, and like, and they once again, to, that doesn't have a payoff. Right. Or, it's just continual reasons to have a physical gag and that's everything else in the movie is just a setup for another physical gag or continuing the physical gag and then credits like that is it that is all you get in this film yeah i just feel i feel like setup was there and uh, was their least thought out aspect of this of this film with you know even more so than 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 payoffs, because in their mind, the payoff is is look, he's a dead guy that's not really dead. <laughs> it doesn't work as a the... payoff, but that's and I feel like that's what they thought was going to be the payoff when they're not really thinking about setups and payoffs in terms of character motivations. Because like you can have all this stuff and still have it be a dumb comedy, well, and I don't mean dumb as in like not good, just you know yeah. a mindless comedy. <laughs> I I would. Um, point to like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which is very physical comedy based um, mm-hmm. and not a whole lot like other than Christmas feel goods and physical comedy yucks. Like that's all that film really has to offer. But it, there's not even much of a plot. That right. Um, it's just family comes in for Christmas and then it's a fraught physical comedy christmas like that's all it is but that does it really well that does what it is trying to do very well what i think something like um christmas vacation is they i feel like they came up with their idea of that okay what's what's crazy things that can happen around christmas and they built it from there and then they built the physical comedy in these moments whereas i just feel like weekend of burns is like okay we have our physical comedy let's build everything else off of that and it just doesn't i just it feels like a first pass yeah because like i feel like i feel like sitting here as a writer i'm thinking okay i feel like i can make this relationship work i feel like i can make this mobster storyline work if, if there's some payoffs to it like i'm thinking it's like i feel like with some rewrites this script could work better yeah and usually with a film i have the opposite reaction of 
I can tell when a film stinks of overly being edited or, you know, producers saying you gotta have this, you gotta have this in order for us to be able to sell it. And this is one of the few where I feel like the the opposite is true. I, I almost feel like, the, and once again, I don't know what Robert Klein's uh, <laughs> writing style was. It almost feels like they didn't have an outline. And so they, there's just things that they forgot about. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh shit, we never paid that off. Ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> or they were writing as they were going. Okay, let's yeah. let's throw Bernie off of the railing. Okay, but how did we get here? Oh, uh, we'll have the girlfriend say something. You know, we'll we'll have the hitman come back. Yeah. I have to admit, Hitman constantly coming back and trying to recomplete this job. And then him wheeling him out in the end, and he's in the stretcher. He's not dead, I tell you! <laughs> All of that was great. And then he just, like, when, when at the end of the film, when the uh, stretcher rolls down the ramp and he plops back down onto the beach, and it's like, oh, Bernie's back! And they all run, and then, like, that's it. Oh my god! And then like it, I don't normally think about this type of thing during comedies, but since I wasn't enjoying this movie, I was overthinking it. Um, it's like there was no consequences at the end of this movie. The cops didn't question them. They weren't like, like they, they, there was. They should have gotten into some trouble. They were desecrating a dead body. It, how do you not end the film that way? It, it, it's like there's. There was an alternate ending, an original ending. They lopped off the last 20 minutes and instead just did another physical comedy bit with them flopping into the sand. Like, even even the fucking Burbs, one of, which is one of my favorite it's, physical yeah, comedies, great film. Um, has that big scene at the end where they're all questioning Tom Hanks and being like, why were you going to their uh-huh. basement? I don't know. I thought they were killed. <laughs> like, you can, you can have your lead characters get into trouble and still be likable. Yeah, absolutely. Because like I just feel like they got off scot free. Um, granted, they didn't—they didn't necessarily do anything, but they didn't not do they, anything. Yeah, they—they should certainly be questioned if nothing else. And then, like I said, it was, it was the relationship between uh, Jonathan Silverman and what is her name, Catherine Mary Stewart. It was just bugging the shit out of me because like. Everything he was telling her was a lie. And it's like, it's one thing at the beginning. He got caught that, you know, which that whole bit was funny where he was like, oh, he's a, he, he's a, he's a war veteran. <laughs> you know, like his excuses for his dad walking were was actually yeah. pretty funny. And, Richard. Gwen. Richard. Gwen. Richard, there's a man in his underwear in your kitchen. Yeah, 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 shh, 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 don't get him started, he'll go away if he's just being quiet. But just let him out of here. Oh, oh, shh. Oh, oh. Sorry, I didn't realize you had company. Uh, good evening, young lady. That, that, that's all right, Monroe. Yes, just, will you please just go lay out my uh, navy blue suit for the morning, please? How about if I lay you out? Very well. Look, that, that, all, that all killed me. Yeah. And then he got in trouble for lying to her. Fair. And then what does he do? He continues to keep lying to her, and then they end up getting together in the end. Right, like... Without... But even though she's supposed to be going back to the Netherlands right, or something? There was, I don't know. It was, it was all over the place. So I think it's fair to say that this was uh, shameless approved <laughs> that we both loved it. <laughs> no, this is this is one that uh, fell flat for both of us. I think. Uh, normally in this show we do something called the thrill house moment where we talk about a moment in the movie that that latched us. And I don't think we necessarily have a thrill house moment because I don't think either of us is really latched into this movie. So let's change that a little bit. Do you have a what, do you have a thrill house moment in that there was a scene that you really liked or something that you did like from the from the movie <laughs> I hmm. I okay I'm going to go with an answer that is in the spirit of what the film is and what it was trying to accomplish mm-hmm 
I thought, man, it's it's such lowbrow. Like, I I'm embarrassed to admit that I enjoyed it, but when they were pulling Bernie behind the speedboat and he was just kind of skimming across the water, <laughs> the 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 way that the like mannequin body that they had yes. was tumbling so oh. faintly. I laughed. <laughs> I laughed during that scene too. Um, there was a mo- bit I liked quite. This reoccurring joke of of this guy trying to do a business transaction with Bernie throughout the movie. I just for some reason that bit just fucking killed me because like it just like it, t- Terry Kaiser did the littlest things. He would just do and just turn his head a little bit, and the guy's like, "Fine, I'll go higher." And it's just. I don't know. I thought that was well, and, funny. and I think it speaks to what you were saying in the beginning, and I agree of like his performance held uh, of being a dead body. Like if that performance was not, I wouldn't say good. Like that's not the right word, but that could have been really wrong, and it does hold it all together. Like that. Yeah, his his reactions with the head flops and things that is what kind of holds the bits together. Um, I agree. So so points for that. And and one thing I was thinking about just now is because like I was thinking it's like I actually kind even though I'm very critical on it because there's no payoffs or anything. I liked the setup for this movie. I liked these two yuppies who found that that this money was being skimmed from the company. And they they bring it to their boss, and it turns out he's actually been the one skimming the money. And I, I actually weirdly liked that it, setup. It, and, it was and like I wanted to heavy in the first twenty minutes, and then nothing. <laughs> and then I was like, I wanted to see where that movie yeah was gonna go, because the movie that Weekend Birdie becomes is not that movie that they were setting up from the beginning. And then it's almost feel like I feel like. This movie should have had a completely different beginning. Like, it could have honestly just been, like, if you need a like, they should have been going to visit their uncle, and they find that he's dead, but, like, they're, they're... But it needs to be, but he needs to be alive for the next couple yeah, days. Yeah, like, oh, the only way like... he's gonna get this, you know, big inheritance is if he's, they think he's still alive or something. Well, we gotta make sure Uncle Bernie stays alive for the weekend, right. and... Um, you know, there, there's another way they could have set it up, but instead they had this plot-heavy movie that was kind of an interesting movie, and then it just became this, like, <laughs> which again has. Like, but we've we've talked about it already on the episode. Like the concept is there. The you could do something really good with the carrying the dead body around thing. Case in point, it's not the same plot at all, but. It's a concept of that you can take a a simple concept and run with it and make something that works really well. The Money Pit. We actually watched it a couple of days okay. after yeah. Weekend at Bernie's because yeah. I wanted a comedy that I knew was going to hold up better than Weekend at Bernie's. And Money Pit still is hysterical. And because, once again, they're not overthinking. They're not building a plot around gags. Right. They're finding gags within the plot. Well, and and go back to Swiss Army Man. Like they took the walking around with a dead body thing and made it poignant and beautiful and thought provoking. And yeah, they, a farting corpse made me cry. Exactly. Like they took that ridiculous concept and they're like, "All right, challenge accepted. Here's a great movie." <laughs> and now those two are fucking nominated for best best film and best director yeah. this year. Good well for deserved. The Daniels. Good for Daniels. <laughs> everyone named daniel congratulations yeah every daniel in the world if we have one daniel listening let me know and my I'll middle send you school something. friend dan schwartz that one's for you may the schwartz be with you dan <laughs> i'm sure he heard that a lot. yes yeah i'm sure he's a big listener oh yeah all right so i don't know if i have much else to say about yeah i i kind of suspected that this would be a shorter episode um but uh 
but yeah, there it is. That's uh, yeah. So that's first episode back of the podcast, we tackled Weekend at Bernie's. Maybe Nick and I will do a Patreon episode. And we'll tackle Weekend at Bernie's too. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Who knows? Um, as I said, if this is your first time listening to the show, thank you very much for tuning in. We are on the Cinepunks Network. I forgot to mention that sooner. Um, and uh, peep out our Patreon. Uh, patreon.com slash shameless picture show me and amanda we do we've been on a slight hiatus because the show was on hiatus but we we are currently doing a a a series called cages the rage where me and amanda are working through every single nicholas cage movie in chronological order i cannot wait till you get to national treasure 2 we are it's gonna be a while (laughs) Uh, because you do one to two movies a month and then on top of that on the show we're ranking them in terms of cage performance cage ability yes like um, and that so i think the upcoming episodes are going to be on we'll have to cut out some of this preamble as i'm i gotta pull up a nicholas cage because i don't remember what we left off on because like we recorded it and i never i never i hadn't posted it yet okay so thus far episode one we did uh fast times ridgemont high and valley girl Objectively, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is the lowest film on the Nicolas Cage score because he's only in there for three seconds and has no lines. <laughs> but he is in it. Um, we did Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Valley Girl. After that, um, oh, so I guess that's the next episode. It's Rumblefish and Racing with the Moon. And then the one we're going to be doing um, very shortly is The Cotton Club and Birdie. Nice. So I did Cages watch the Family Man recently. And we watched that. We watched that too. Pretty solid. Christmas. Like yeah. And Tia Leone dancing in the shower still does it for me. No, that movie actually was was surprisingly pretty fucking good. Like for what it was in the time period, it's like hey, right? Yeah. I like this. I don't hate this. Yep. This isn't Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> I think Nicolas Cage could play could play could do could, could do, do a Bernie. Bernie. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And he would still find a way to overact. <laughs> oh, he would be the strongest overacting dead body. Mm. <laughs> this needs to happen. Those I okay. can see those like head flops. I can see Nicholas Cage doing some of those dramatic head flops. Oh my god, it would be great. <laughs> um so Nick, was there anything else you wanted to add before we wrap this episode of the Shameless Picture Show up? I, I will add as my capstone comment that though I was hard on Weekend of Bernie's, I am glad I saw it. Yeah. Um and it is if you know what you're getting into, it can be a fun uh like goofball watch it can be you know fun with your friends to sit around and, and i have to say like, i i will say one of my last things to say too is i was expecting way more from this movie only because i had a friend he fucking loved this movie <laughs> he was obsessed with this movie and it wasn't like when we were kids or whatever because i didn't know him until as an adult just as an adult this was one of his all-time fucking favorite movies wow. and i can say this now because we're no longer friends it just turns out he has no taste <laughs> God, I just popped my headphones off. I can, I can, I can unequivocally say he just has no taste. That was like equally harsh and accurate. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't listen to the show. We don't talk anymore. I blocked him for being a transphobic racist asshole. Oh, then he deserves to. Yeah. His, yeah. Weekend at Bernie sucks, Pete. <laughs> Pete. Yeah, I called him out. There's our next uh, merch, our t-shirt. Weekend, Weekend Bernie, Bernie sucks, sucks Pete. comma Pete. <laughs> oh, oh my god. We do need t-shirts. <laughs> we do. Maybe that'll be our season seven surprise. Or maybe not. Oh no. Who knows? <laughs> I hope I have oh, a no, lot no, to Now I want a, like a t-shirt of me and you. Like, but it has to be like really poorly done. Where we, like, we just pasted our face over the two guys from Weekend at Bernie's, <laughs> carrying somebody. Pete, I could make that happen. Though. I think I'd have to probably pay him. Right? There's yeah, we'd have to get likeness rights. So that could be. Or messy. we could put do Pete from like the fucking like goofy cartoons. Nice. Or Pete and yeah, Pete. Would, or Pete or Pete. Yeah. I fucking love the Adventures of Pete and Pete. Right. That's the best Pete I know. I I can make my. <laughs> My tattoo dance. <laughs> uh, love it. All right, Nick. Well, 
It's I been hope, real. I hope you have a better weekend than Bernie did. <laughs> yeah. All right, Nick. I'll see you. I'll see you next time. Yes. Uh, for um, shame time, sh- sh- shame station, shameless, shameless picture, picture show, show. <laughs> shame time, shame station, shameless picture show. It's not easy to say. Smooth as silk. I'm. I'm really yeah. glad I made the executive decision to change our sign off to that horrible, tangled mess. <laughs> Good night, everyone. (laughs) The Shameless Picture Show is recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Easton, Maryland, and is hosted and produced by Nick Richards and Michael Viers. Today's episode was edited by Michael Viers. Our opening theme music was written especially for us by The Directionals, with narration by Zach McLean. The end credit music you're enjoying at the moment was generously provided by my friends in the band 10Speed. The Shameless graphic design is masterfully done by Amanda Viers. An extra special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and to our generous sponsors. We are on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play, and Libsyn. You can find links for all these amazing people in the description below.